0: To to ship,
1: ship, of course.
2: course. Welcome to the holiday edition of the Ship Show, the podcast where we discuss build engineering, DevOps, release management, and everything in between. I'm your host, Paul Reed, Soberbuild and John Twitter, and it's soberbuildengineer.com. I've actually started blogging again. I hadn't for a while. Who's with me tonight for this very special holiday episode and last episode of 2013?
1: This is Sasha at Sasha underscore D on Twitter and BraddyRedhead.com.
0: This is Seth
3: at Cheese Plus on Twitter.
0: This is Yusuf uh, at both Central on Twitter.
2: How is uh, everyone's holiday season treating them? Is your shopping all done?
3: Is there a holiday?
0: Shopping?
2: What? Shop- what? I haven't done any shopping. Dude, I've been <laughs> in
1: Portland for like two weeks. I don't even know what a holiday is.
2: <laughs> well, for this last episode of 2013, we're going to do a year retrospective on what 2013 looked like and some of the trends in the space. We're also going to make some predictions about uh, 2014. But Of course, first up is we always do news and views. First up tonight, we have uh, Stephen O'Grady's of Redmox yearly review of infrastructure as a service, pricing patterns and trends. I guess he does this every year and takes a look at the different cloud providers, uh, Google, HP, uh, Microsoft, uh, Amazon, and does a bunch of analysis on that. Some really interesting graphs here, some really interesting data points, especially as more people are looking at cloud infrastructure as a service. There's actually a lot to go through here. I, I I only had time to skim it, but did you guys see this?
1: Yeah. What are they really saying here, that, that AWS is better for some and not everything?
2: Yeah, well, I, the key takeaways, I mean, one of the big ones, which is kind of obvious, is that Amazon remains the standard by which everyone else is judged, but I think he points out a couple of things, that the pricing isn't, you know, there there uh, there's actually a, a lot of, co- I think, more competition in the space than we'd assume. There's a lot of coverage of actually what HP is doing, which is surprising. Just all the things they're doing in the space. And then, of course, for if you didn't know much about Azure, which I don't,
1: Mm-mm. other than
2: other than it exists, this gives you a little bit of data, so...
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know... I don't even know what the HP API looks like. Is there an API?
2: Oh, I'm sure there is. It's probably OpenStack-ish.
3: There's definitely a UI. I've used it before. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. The, what I see here is that, well, it's expensive. Yeah, it is. But, I mean, it's for people who don't want to have their own stuff. So, you pay for the convenience of not having your own stuff. Like, I pay more for somebody else to shovel my snow than it costs for me to shovel my snow.
2: It's true. But then, of course, what's interesting about the paper and, of course, you'll have to read, I mean, I'll have to, we'll all have to read more about it, is it seems like certain cloud providers are better at Certain things than others. I mean, they each have their own specialty. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, so, so some, some, you know, EBS is better or worse. You know, the block storage is better or worse. So yeah, definitely worth a read, especially if you're looking into that uh, in 2014. As a note to that, interesting article that hit Hacker News from Luke Chadwick. We had Luke on the show a few episodes ago talking about the RubyGems issues. Apparently, his AWS credentials got leaked through a GitHub commit, and then he was hit with a $3,500, almost $3,500 Amazon bill because somebody found it and decided to mine Bitcoins. Crazy and creative use.
3: (laughs) That's rough.
1: That's more yeah.
2: common than you might think. Oh, I well, I was surprised, but it's... I mean, yeah, I guess... yeah. Anyway, his post has some interesting tips for what everyone should do. In fact, uh, one of the big ones he said is enable billing alerts. I'm going to go do that uh, on my own stuff because I have some personal use of AWS, and this would be a good idea. So he also huh. talked about, yeah, checking GitHub to make sure that things aren't revealed there. It looks like he... Interesting. Amazon actually sent him a mail saying that they detected his key on a repository. Hmm. So Amazon actually
3: notified him. That's nice of them. It is.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Next up, we have an article uh, that Yusuf pointed us to claiming the database administrator is dead and actually referring to, again, cloud-based services like RDS and uh, providers of database uh, as a service almost. Um, Yusuf, tell us more.
0: Yeah, I thought it was an interesting article, I and mean, I don't particularly agree with it, but I, I, I think that, that it's become a lot easier to manage your databases. Um, there's a lot of database vendors out there that have you know better storage management type tools and such, but to completely say that the DBA is dead, I think the DBA's role has become probably more refined, but the DBA is not dead. In the place that I work at, we have plenty of DBAs, and so... Uh, the DBA is most certainly not that, but their this role guy, has been. Whoever wrote detached. this article lives in
1: San Francisco, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> Why does that matter? <laughs> I love it, uh, because it's the, it's the
1: echo chamber <laughs> it's the echo chamber where everybody thinks that um, because everybody's using NoSQL in San Francisco or in one of the other startup hotbeds that all those things that we've been using for years are dead but I have news for you they aren't in the enterprise and the enterprise is still where all the money is coming from for the most part
2: uh, yeah but so this is not about NoSQL he's talking about basically players like I mean he mentions Cloud, Clustrix, RDS and Dynamo these mm-hmm. services that provide database as a service so the capacity planning and all that kind of stuff you don't Really have to do. I'm on. D- well, DBAs
1: don't do capacity planning. Sysadmins do that. Please. Well,
2: well, no. i was saying that uh, core DBAs did capacity planning for the database, so they would say, "I need X machines," and and I could see that. I mean, that's I'm, still
1: like 10 minutes of their work a year. Sure. Please. So
2: I guess I I would say I I actually agree with him in so much as I think there are. He was basically saying there has been such a push that the developer is king quote unquote. that nothing can slow down developer agility and so now having someone say well no you should actually do it this way or you have to hand your database queries off to somebody else and they'll design them for you or your table scheme and stuff like nobody cares about that anymore they just want to make the developers <laughs> Dude
1: perfect. developers never cared about that anyway
2: I know, <laughs> but uh, I know. It
1: can be evidenced by all no, of the uh, SQL statements that are out loose in the wild
4: I agree with you. So my point is, it's the developer knows SQL.
3: So
1: well, and this stuff too. I don't think this actually means that it makes it easier to get data without making performance problems either. And again, so, all of these services are things that people in the enterprise are not using in great numbers. Oracle will not die forever. Many many years to my great sadness. Oh, did I say uh, that out loud?
2: But so I think his point is that, uh, and I and I see this a lot with release engineers and build engineers. More things are moving to as a service, and so those roles as they were originally envisioned, DBAs, build engineers, release engineers, they are going away and they're being replaced by something. Whether or not those roles are being subsumed into tools teams that provide X as a service or they're being... being—they're mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: being Again, re- I
1: don't think so in big companies. I think that I mean, yeah, to a certain extent in smaller companies and more forward-thinking companies, but I give it another 20 years before the DBA is actually dead.
3: Something that he actually writes in the article that I think is, is worth noting is that he doesn't say that it's dying as such. That's like totally his tag line but he says that it's not dying, it's just it, the people who are, would be DBAs are now actually working for these service companies. So the people who, you know, they end up going to, like, the Amazons and such, and that's where they're applying their trade. Right, And they're being so subjected to you
2: know, tools teams.
3: Right, well, tools teams, but specifically for, from the vendors, right. from the providers of these services, not right. not tools teams that would be local to the development team. These are cloud teams. So right, but folks, I mean, that, I
2: think that's how it will play itself out in the enterprise. Sure, sure, yeah. Is that
3: just saying but, but, that, that, like, that, like, the end of the article he actually totally acknowledges that these roles are moving now not it's, it has, he's not like oh it, it's all changed overnight he's just kind of describing the trend of people moving towards services. I've seen this with dealing with folks a lot of the times with clients that I'm dealing with in my day-to-day who are looking for anything that they can just offload these are small teams even inside of large enterprises so it's I think it is I at least I do see it changing from
2: well and that's X is dead
0: is always a good link bait so it's yeah, that's true it, it'll
2: be so. interesting
3: to see
0: I was gonna say that I I don't think this is any different than large, you know, database vendors that are always coming out with new features that say stuff like, Well, now you don't have to worry about expanding your table spaces or your underlying database storage manager. There's automatic stuff that does it for you. So yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Next up, I just wanted to give a shout-out to SysAdvent. They're doing their yearly uh, advent calendar that they do during the holidays. Uh, I was actually day number three a couple weeks ago, and I only call it out because I wrote an article about Git, everyone who thinks I hate Git. Um, but yeah, there's there's speaking of X is dead, Advent certainly aren't dead. There's a whole a series of posts on various topics, and they'll be going through... December 25th, Chris Weber and the crowd over at Puppet Labs have been putting this together this year. So go read up on your favorite sysadmin topic of choice. And finally, this evening, we have an article by Jeff Keacher, who... he basically got a 27-year-old Mac Plus and got it to connect to the web. I didn't know there was actually web browsers for Macs that old, but apparently there are. He tells a story including having to replace power supply parts that blew up when he plugged them in getting the web browser, and I think my favorite part is he had to jury-rig a Raspberry Pi to actually connect the Mac to the internet because there's some <laughs> external, extra processing and I guess the Mac Plus only has like serial connections, so to connect it, <laughs> to connect like from Ethernet to uh, the Mac, he had to uh, have it on a Raspberry Pi, it's pretty interesting. If you like fun little hacks like this, certainly go check it out. Next up, 2013 review and 2014 what's in store uh, at least as the ship show crew sees it Welcome back to the Ship Show. So, for our last episode of 2013, we wanted to take a look back at the year and see what kind of trends happened in the industry. Uh, We also, for episode 13 last year, or I guess at the beginning of this year, we did a bunch of 2013 predictions. We're going to revisit those and um, see if we were right or wrong on those. And then we're going to take a look at uh, 2014. So, First up, I wanted to ask the panel about the 2013 predictions. And I think the biggest one this year was this whole DevOps in the enterprise. Sasha, actually, you spoke up in that episode about that where you were saying you were very frustrated by the design by DevOps and also this concept of DevOps tools. Oh, yeah. What what is that? I noticed this year there was a website that was talking about you can download the DevOps. I took a screenshot of the button. Oh, my God. They literally had named their product devops and then you could download devops like you could download firefox
3: or something it was pretty funny
2: so i wanted to ask the panel devops in the enterprise this past year
3: what do you yay nay it seems the buzzword seems to still be going strong um, as is evidence with like releases just as of recently like of different tools and things so i think i think it's still definitely a thing
1: uh, it certainly is a thing for somebody. I yes, much, I've given up. I've tried to get like every last little bit of DevOps off my LinkedIn profile and everything else because I just don't want anything to do with the word anymore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, interesting, Sasha. You said, the last episode, you said, I'm going to end up using these terms and it makes me really sad.
1: Oh, yeah, I did didn't though. So I feel less bad about that, you, I guess.
2: Did you actually rebel? You felt?
1: No, I just, uh, well, I don't know. You could call it rebellion. I just decided to, I just backed off it because I just don't want to use the words. I don't think that the words have anything to do with what those of us who started, you know, having transformations around it anymore because there's just so much, so many companies think they're going to buy the magic DevOps in a box with the fairy sparkles, That right. uh, it's just ridiculous. So well, I don't actually- know that it was a rebellion so much as just... a. Giving up
2: <laughs> resignation.
1: Yep, well, I gave, yeah, I gave up the word to the to the I don't know to the marketers. I guess we recently had to tell a marketer at a company that they couldn't call the light version of their their tool that meant to be used in dev the DevOps version and <laughs> they did not even understand why not. And we were like here, this is why, and we spent 10 minutes explaining to the marketer why the word was nonsense the way he wanted to use it.
3: Good, mm, Yeah. <laughs>
1: and he understood then, too. He also, we, you know, we explained to him the emotional context that we, a lot of us, have around it, too, and how using it just makes us think they're stupid.
2: Well, it's mm. funny, just this evening, Lucis was actually tweeting about he pointing to a job wreck, and the title uh, was DevOps Software Dev Senior Engineer, <laughs> and he was apologizing, because he was like, yeah, I, I know, I understand that it's, it's kind of a bastardization of the term I found a couple of interesting things or I heard of a couple of interesting things this year where I really I see a push behind this trend and one of them was the increasing reliance in the enterprise on the title so actually Pete Cheslock and I have talked about because his title was director Uh huh.
1: yes I love but, to make fun of him for that <laughs> he
2: never gets old so Pete this issue has come up there, but but I've actually heard people like, unironically, use director of DevOps. And what I found interesting is I heard a story about someone that came into a role director of DevOps. <laughs> led the DevOps team, then decided the company wasn't DevOps enough, went somewhere else, created another DevOps silo team, again, as director of DevOps. And I, I don't know how the success has helped, you know, whether it, that's been successful there, that initiative, but I don't know. I. It, it seems like that almost is starting to be an indicator of if you feel you need to be senior DevOps lead, or director of DevOps or VP of DevOps, that should automatically, you know, we've the all kind of been, been having that. Yes. Well, well, we've been we, that should be a, a red, like yellow to red flag. But we've all been kind of murmuring about that for the past year. And I think maybe for 2014, people need to start actually pushing back against that and being very clear that if you say that, you might as well be calling yourself director of failed initiatives.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it depends on if you're, they're talking about DevOps as culture change or DevOps as marketing tools, right? Because if you think that you're, so you need to bring in somebody to be director director of DevOps, then you have another problem, right? And that is. How are you going to get somebody you just brought in from off the street to enact change and cultural transformation inside your company? That doesn't happen.
2: Yeah, well, actually, and it's interesting you mentioned that because the people that are actually hired to do that, and and I recently had experience with this, there was a role at a company that was actually called, like, director of culture and training or something like that. So their job was to kind of help the organization change, but mm-hmm. it was facilitating the change, not... Director of Agile or DevOps, where I'm telling you what to do.
1: Yeah. So coach. So more like uh, more like an Agile coach or something. Yeah,
2: kind of. Well, coach for organizational transformation of all kinds. Because right. But I bet that somebody
1: like that would leave when they were done though. That's a that's a finite thing, not a. Uh... I
2: don't. Uh, here's the thing. I don't think it is. Or organizations are always changing, right? There's yes. always something to improve. So, and I think the, the my point was when I saw this, I thought it was actually very healthy treatment of the issue because they actually hired a role to help with that, and it wasn't just about DevOps. So I thought. That was interesting.
3: You I would I... say Heroku has a, has a team just for that. Like uh, a culture and or a team, uh, I believe. I, I I seem to remember uh, seeing catching a presentation by somebody there yeah. where they have a team that actually is in charge of kind of keeping the company culture and like kind of having a that's their mission. Right. It, was, it was kind of an interesting concept. Yeah,
2: it is. The other thing I was going to point out is I've started seeing these popping up DevOps camps. So what? go to the DevOps, go to the DevOps camp, learn the DevOps skills to get those DevOps jobs. And I was like, oh my oh.
3: God! I've been getting a open OpenStack training ads. I've noticed where they're like, hey, you learn you some OpenStack at this DevOps camp. And I'm like, oh, God, please kill me now. <laughs> no, no, and uh, no. No, no, thank you. I will yeah. not, I will learn the OpenStack in, in the comfort of my own home. <laughs>
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'll uh, read the manual as I'm falling asleep. (laughs) Actually, I I was going to bring this up later, but since you mentioned it, uh, one of the things we brought up in that prospective episode for 2013 was OpenStack versus AWS, and we thought there would be some exciting things on both sides, and that was if companies supporting OpenStack could put away their differences. How do you think that played out this year?
4: OpenStack has moved forward. Has it?
3: Yeah, well, I I feel, so I feel that I've seen, I've seen movement, but it's also, I mean, tremendously compared to last year, so it's relative.
1: Yeah, I haven't really been a part of it at all, I haven't used it at all this year.
3: Yeah, I've I've been paying attention to it a bit more and talking with people who are using it. So it's I mean, it depends on who you talk to. But uh, you
2: said it was a letdown. Why? why do you say that?
0: Yeah, I I think I've seen. I mean, from some of the stuff, I'm not very involved with the OpenStack community per se. But there's been a lot of outliers and folks who've been saying some interesting things about how all the various components of OpenStack are not being sort of developed properly. You know, the storage and all those different other components. And they're kind of, everybody's kind of doing their own thing. So there's not a lot of synergy between, uh, and I don't know, maybe that's just a software engineering problem, but, yeah, and I thought that there'd be a lot more companies uh, kind of openly adopting OpenStack, and uh, I didn't see a lot of that.
3: There are definitely a lot of people using it, at least from my side. I've seen a decent amount of enterprise adoption. Not a lot of people talking about using it outside of, the, you know, the kind of folks who are pushing it, so you're, like, your Rackspace's and your HP's, which are actively dogfooding it, because, so like, Rackspace actually uses OpenStack and helps develop it, so. Well right. uh, there's certainly movement but it's I haven't seen new as many new adopters this year I think everyone who's already had it, is still using it. There's been a lot of good movement, but it's still there are a lot of moving pieces in OpenStack and it's still comp. Well, it's it's complex and complicated to get going. So it still has a few hurdles in terms of just like, you know, people can't just spin it up like AWS. Granted, you know, no one's actually managing AWS but Amazon.
2: Well, so the, the quote actually from the episode earlier this year was, if they can put away their differences, OpenStack uh, looks like they're going to be able to really compete. And it sounds like there was that post from Andrew Schaefer during the OpenStack Summit about just highlight, I mean, we'll link to it in the show notes, but highlighting some of the issues that maybe there hasn't been the ability to at least do that as much as maybe the community would have liked or at least to compete against uh, AWS. I mean, AWS during reInvent released a number of really interesting features. Yeah, Um, there
3: hasn't hasn't been really the rally to arms, I feel, that kind of would be necessary to kind of you know put a dent in the armor of, of AWS.
2: Quick question for twenty fourteen: Do you think that OpenStack will start to fragment if the community can't pull it together? That Rackspace might say, well, you know, it's all open source and we need to move faster. Yeah, so I, think, I, I think
3: I think I think twenty fourteen will actually be a very good year for OpenStack. At least from from what I've seen, I think there's going to be a lot of initiatives coming together and a lot of making it nicer to use. So I have high hopes for next year, but I know why people might not who might not have.
0: Faith.
2: All right. Well we're gonna hold you to that so
0: I'll
3: be cautiously
0: optimistic about it.
2: So the well, next so. the next big area we uh, talked about was security in the cloud. You brought that up, Yusuf. And then also, uh, I actually brought up kind of separately, but it's kind of related, the big encryption wake-up. And I was actually really talking about certificate authorities and SSH key handling. seems like we pretty much nailed that one. There were a number of articles we covered. There's an issue with DigitalOcean replicating SSH host keys. Obviously, the whole NSA scandal breaking and seeing Google... And Microsoft and all these big companies, like, starting to encrypt the huge pipes between their data centers. Even the discussions of, you know, is 128 bits, 256 bits of encryption enough? And the idea that the NSA has the skills and the um, hardware to really just crack something like that. What did you guys think this year in terms of security and specifically in the cloud
3: and encryption?
1: I think security is boring. (laughs) I just thought I would throw that out there now so you guys can go off and talk about it because I just think it's boring.
3: I, I think it's I think it's it can be boring, but I think it's I don't know, I feel like it's a very important component of what a lot of people are working on. Obviously people kind of reactionary knee-jerk to add encryption to a lot of things. But I don't know if that's really changed, like, how the tools or how people are doing things for securing their systems. I haven't seen that change a whole lot. Uh, I mean, like, we're now, we at least now, are demanding that some of these providers do offer these basic levels of protection. Some of them are doing it on their own. But uh, at the end of the day, if there's still a court order, I think there was, uh, I took it from, Free oh, uh, FreeBSD, Paul Henning-Kemp, where he was just like, if at the end of the day it doesn't really matter, how much encryption you have if you don't have the guns? Um, and right. <laughs> well, there's that
2: there's that famous XKCD comic where it's like what every cryptographer thinks it's going to be like, and it's like the NSA has 30 million machines cracking this 4096 bit key, and then like how it is in real life, it's like get the wrench and beat it out of them.
3: Yeah, <laughs> beat that's the password out of it, right? Yeah, it's, he he made a good. He's like he's like all the encryption in the world is kind of worthless if you if you're not the one on the right side of the gun. Right. Um, and cool. so, yeah, I kind of feel like that's it's great. Like, it's I'm glad it's getting better from some of these providers' ends. But there's there don't don't expect any data to be private if you're not running all of your own services.
0: Right.
2: Um. Yusuf, you brought security in the cloud up as the as the topic for 2013. What what? what are your thoughts on it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think uh, obviously with all the NSA stuff going on, I think a lot of people are going to be starting to rethink about what uh, what it means to store their data in the cloud, what uh, what crypto means to them, that type of thing. But uh, you know, beyond sort of pseudo privacy or however you want to call it, I think people are going to start to think about okay, well, how can I secure my data from when I say prying eyes? I mean, people other than the NSA or whoever commercially based prying eyes. So I think there's going to be more emphasis on that. Maybe some potential solutions from some cloud providers that come out with you know different solutions instead. Because I think what I've seen today is it's more of a bolt on, like oh, just wrap SSL around it or you know tunnel this traffic through like an open VPN tunnel or whatever. And I think there's going to be some more interesting sort of solutions uh, around them.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see in 2014 um, there's been a big push. I'll see if I can dig up the article, but uh, at the IETF to start building, I mean, HTTP 2.0 is supposed to be encrypted by default. Just kind of re-architecting the internet at a very fundamental level. It'll be interesting, I I don't think that will change in 2014, but it'll be interesting to see if it gets any traction, and if HTTP 2.0, for instance, actually is encrypted by default. So, looking forward to 2014, uh, what are our predictions? For the next year. Seth, you and I were talking about this uh, just beforehand. Containers have sort of come of age. Well, they Docker and, heard, and Yeah, Linux containers you, have come of age.
3: Yeah, Linux containers have come of age. Yeah. For Ubuntu. Um, yeah, yeah well, it's, uh, Linux, Linux containers for, for Ubuntu. Well, they have. You also have CoreOS as well via Docker. And everyone seems to be buying into this. I mean, there. Granted, if you've been a Solaris fan or a FreeBSD fan for longer than a you know a few minutes, you've known this for.
2: Those people are banging know. their heads against the desk.
3: Yeah, it's I it's cool you, though. Like 20, or you know. Like, yeah, it's it's okay, but it's 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 good. It's at least good to see. Like it's good for the Linux space certainly to be getting these technologies and to be getting containerization. It's. It's definitely a good thing. It definitely maintained momentum throughout the year. I just Docker's got a lot of buzz still. Um, it's still maturing, so I'm I'm eager to see where that goes. Well, it's interesting,
2: but, right, because it seems like containers are kind of a response to virtualization, right? We want faster, lighter-weight virtualization, and virtualization is a response to it's easy to partition things that way instead of having to uh, make sure our apps are well-behaved. Just put them in a virtualized space, right? So it's it's interesting that the pendulum has kind of swung the other way of like, well, if you have 10 million VMs, there's a performance hit, so let's do containers instead. It's it's kind of interesting to see that shift. Yeah,
3: definitely. definitely right. It's kind of swung swung back the other way. Yeah, and also opened up. I mean, like for the Linux side, obviously, it's you know new ways to interact with things, new ways to to design systems, and kind of design them and protect individual resources. It's given some people who haven't had the luxury or had the you know experience to do that in other operating systems. Um, so the, it's it just kind of pushing people kind of adopt that architecture as the norm, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, yeah.
2: I think, you know, to our earlier point about DevOps and the enterprise, I'm thinking in 2014, we might start experimenting with different terms for this what used to be DevOps since it's gotten co-opted. Flow has come up, you know, FlowCon, and getting into Flow and looking at the value flows, value streams in organizations, which is kind of analysis you have to do, has become big. I actually was visiting with someone at a, a big, big banking company that we'd all know, and, and they were responsible for delivery transformation. Was the term they used. So I'm, I'm thinking we may end 2014 with referring to what we all think of as DevOps as something else to distinguish the, the camps and the directors thereof from the original
3: meaning. What do you guys think? I, I don't want any new words, but at this point I don't want just,
1: any new words either.
3: Yeah, I just I just want to be cranky and old, and I don't I don't want any new I don't want any new words. All these kids you, you new do realize
2: words. that you're headed for that cranky enterprise neck beard Unixy. I know, you and I know. Sasha.
3: I'm so uh, it's you're headed there. I know, but uh, but I, <laughs> I I can't grow a beard that magnificent, so it's it's. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I just. I've decided to be cranky about this particular issue.
2: Seth, just wear some suspenders. You'll be fine. No, like yeah. in the, like in the Dilbert cartoon. No, not too. I think 2014. Uh, it's a prediction. I think some of the shiny's gonna wear off cloud, and I think we were talking about like you hear a lot more public cloud, private cloud. I think what you're gonna see is a big push for big, large enterprise companies. You know, They call it private cloud now, but I think you're going to see a push towards not so much the technology, cloud or not cloud, but the way that they run IT. So it's really going to be about service orientation and making it look like a public cloud, but they're not going to call it private cloud because I think it's going to have some different aspects that aren't really cloud-esque. I think that I, we may have reached peak cloud in 2013, and that doesn't mean that things are not, you know, that Amazon won't exist at the end of 2014, but I I think the buzz around it, people are realizing I mean, even in the the stuff we talked about, news and views, people are realizing what it's good for, they're realizing the size of organizations it's good for, they're realizing the types of people it absolves you of having to hire because they've solved that problem for you, but I think their body of work of failures in the cloud space is large enough now that people can really do compare-contrast, and when you do that, then it's harder to Believe all the marketing's shiny.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that was that was the best confirmation. I <laughs> well, you, I am
2: I'm, I'm amused. Like uh, you, no one's no one's gonna argue with me on that. <laughs>
3: yeah. well, I don't have I don't have the energy to. I mean, it's one of those. The I crowd.
1: Think, Sorry.
3: Yeah, I I don't think it's gonna lose any shiny. I think it's gonna continue to be the default. It's gonna be where people are going. I think some people are learning. That's where the magic lessons.
1: DevOps is.
3: It's yeah, weird. I mean, where? How, are you, how else are you gonna have? Yeah, how else are you gonna have magic DevOps if you don't cloud? Right. Uh, <laughs> shiny, shiny rainbow cloud. That's what it is. Well, sorry. You, oh, are we still on air? Oh, oops. Yeah,
1: on it. <laughs> um, I? You know how we changed our name recently, so we all get to get new business cards now. And I'm. They told me I could totally get a sparkly unicorn horn on my business cards if I want.
3: That's so cool. <laughs> I really uh, want sparkly.
2: So speaking of cloud, kind of coming over age. Well, here's the here's the thing. I, I don't think the public cloud is going to change. A cloud but meets I, another cloud. And they do I do more. think private cloud is going to be... I think that term is going to go away, and I think how that gets implemented is going to kind of fundamentally change, because I think enterprises will actually go try to do it, and they will do it, and I, I think they'll even be successful at it, but it, they're not going to call it private cloud because it's it's going to be custom to whatever their business is and what they're doing. So, Yusuf, you brought up configuration management, and you thought that there would be a little more fragmentation in 2014.
0: Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more folks kind of sticking with uh, specific um, tools. You know, Chef, Ansible, there's already kind of a... Uh, those uh, types of camps. You got the Chef Puppet CF Engine and the Ansible Salt Stack, all your own type camps. And I think that those are going to be further defined in 2014. You're going to have more people who say, no, we, we like the Salt Stack Ansible way of doing things, um, and, or no, we like the Chef Puppet CF Engine way of doing things. Do you think any of that will be
2: driven by markets and the money to be made? But well what I mean when there's a lot of money to be made then people can start to decide which tribe they want to join to go after way that it is trying to acquire part of the market. So you kind of saw this like, I mean, I'm trying to come up with a really good example but this is not a very good one, but I'm thinking of like the Unix market when it fragmented, right? There's sort of this, hey, Unix is good, let's use Unix, and, and you had like a couple of vendors, and then it fragmented it into like seven or eight vendors, and then there was like let's get people on our specific version of whatever. So do you think the fragmentation is just an aesthetic, it's going to be aesthetic thing, or do you think it'll be driven by market forces?
1: I don't know that I can actually comment on any of this because I work for one of the tool teams.
0: So, yeah, I, I think I think it may be partially driven by market forces but I think even more so just that the people who are going to be using um, these types of tools it's just going to depend on type of background and uh, when I say background I and mean your technical background what, what your and also how you believe configuration management should be done but yeah uh, so a little bit of both okay.
1: I, I do want to point out that if the world expects us all to fight, though, in the back end, that I had beers with the puppet guys last week and we're not going to fight.
2: <laughs>
3: just,
1: we just agreed that we were going to have beers and let the rest of the world fight for us.
2: Yes, often those fights happen with the salespeople and the kind of the front end marketing part. And so I'm not saying it'll be on the back end, but you do have people. The Ansible guy is very opinionated. So. You I could see well, that's true. I could see certain communities just saying, well, Chef, Puppet, and CF Engine, they all suck. Do it do it the Ansible way. Mm-hmm. Which could be an economic argument, really, fundamentally. But it'll be interesting to see how that plays itself out. Speaking of that, I wanted uh, one of my predictions, I think I think Amazon via AWS will start to cannibalize some of the startups in the space related to cloud stuff, similar to what Microsoft did back in the, the 90s, where they start to either per- acquire and build that into the Amazon platform, or they start just doing um, offerings that are built in that, that cut into the market for others. So we already saw this with EDA and their announcement of being able to do stuff that, that Netflix already had a project for. Now that was open source, right? So, But that kind of uh, monitoring, interaction with the team, like PagerDuty does, I'm. it'll be interesting to see if they start to... If, uh, venture into that space. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, on that particular note, I, I think I, I definitely agree with that. And I think AWS, they, or Amazon rather, they came out with a whole suite of uh, uh, interesting products this year, and they're probably going to be looking at some of the you know startups out there that can integrate in, uh, with their existing um, platforms. So yeah, it'll be a ripe market for uh, acquisitions and that type of stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they do go the acquisition route or if they build it themselves. I wonder, because I'm, I'm, I'm. Well, I guess it depends on the thing whether they think they can build it cheaper. Another prediction for twenty fourteen. I think the U. S. government, at least, and maybe other governments that are looking at it, will start to look at the way they develop software. We actually talked about the Mitt Romney versus the uh, Barack Obama campaign in the twenty twelve retrospective and how that played itself out in the campaign. Uh, and I wanted to mention it because we all know we talked about the healthcare.gov thing. That's been a big issue. We talked about it last episode. So I think the government has realized the rest of the world is moving to doing it differently, and uh, we actually see we we you know have seen um, the British government has DevOps and what it is and defined in in their their government operations manual. So it certainly can be done. I think Gareth Rushgrove actually over put that in there and worked with that. So I think. With the healthcare.gov debacle, I think more organizations are going to be on the side of we don't actually want that much press, bad, negative press, and they may be looking at baby steps they can take in 2014 to help with that.
1: The U.S. government? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're completely wrong. Really? Yep. I don't think that the government is going to change anything that they're doing,
2: ever. I don't know that they'll get to changes, but I think from a I, – I think somebody who has a career in – Oh,
1: God, go- we should commission a study on DevOps and get the results in five years and then talk about it. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I don't have it, any faith in the government at all to change anything like that.
2: Well, though, here's the thing. I think there's an incredible incentive for somebody who has been there and their career is public service. And they don't want to be on the news for whatever.gov, the next one. Mm -hmm. And they may be looking at ways. It's not, oh, we want to be cutting edge, whatever. It's more, we want to avoid uh, a call from the president yelling at us, or the call from the secretary of whatever yelling at us. Do I think anything's going to change in one year? No. I think it's brought the issue up to people that probably never thought about it before, because of the healthcare.gov thing. And the compare and contrast between, we were talking about the Romney-Obama campaigns, those are fundamentally government and politics. But to then look at how, when it got implemented in the government, how how much of it was a fail, even though the Obama website was so great, I think that's kind of interesting, too. Mm
1: -hmm. For sure.
2: One
3: was a contracted Versus the other one was a kind of like handpicked team of experts mm-hmm. in in right. from private industry. Like if you actually look at that, so it's it's, it's not surprising why one went so well and the other. I mean, there there are, there are pretty clear reasons.
2: Yeah. So, but I mean, may, and maybe one of the things that they start to realize is that maybe they hire people from industry to manage the project and and do that as opposed to just hire contractors that tell them what they want to hear and then fail to deliver. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how it's
3: going to play uh, out. No, I've, se- I've seen people go into government work. I've, I've done it myself, and you, you go in, and then you... you, you and you've been You, been you, been sad. you, you turn around. Yeah, you, you're like, oh, I'm going to fix all this stuff. Like, I'm going to totally make an impact. I'm going to bring all this DevOps uh, and cloud and...
2: And unicorns. You know,
3: and unicorns, yeah. And then you go in, and then you just... Your soul just gets crushed because it takes, like, a week and a half to requisition a server.
2: And um, then you get yelled at, yeah. And then you get yelled at for buying hardware.
3: Yeah, <laughs> like because well, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't go through all the appropriate. You didn't use cloud. No, no, did, no, no. I, you didn't. I thought about the Wonder Rogals tweet. You had to, you had to fill out. We well, had to fill out a form and triplicate, and you didn't do that, and you didn't go through the appropriate vendor selection process either. So you're in real trouble. Yeah,
2: and then the last prediction I had, which it'll be interesting to see. I'm wondering if this is a year that we'll see any products. Challenging the foothold that Jenkins has. And we talked about this on the couple episodes ago about the fact that what Jenkins is used for today is fundamentally different from what it was designed for. And a lot of people get Jenkins to do a lot of awesome things, but it requires <laughs> well, it requires there's that, there's kind of the misuse, but there's also then a lot of it requires various plugins. And uh, I didn't realize, somebody was pointing out, and I went and sort of looked into it, the whole, uh, basically Jenkins, their claim was Jenkins is insecure because the way they update the slaves is not via any HTTPS or anything, and they just download a Java file and run it. And so it would be easy to spoof. And so at a a lot of the conferences and workshops and things that I go to, you see, like I said, people doing really, really interesting things and trying to, in one sense, Jenkins for a long time has been the big hammer that everything looks like a nail and and it's been used that way. But people have started to, like, try to change the hammer and it hasn't been very good. And I think... That can be very frustrating, and I'm wondering if that frustration in 2014 will get to the point where somebody will say, I'm just writing something else. We've already started to see that in some sense with projects like orchestra. I mean, fundamentally, Jenkins is glorified orchestration and reporting. And so we've already seen other tools supplanting the orchestration side of the house, so it'll be interesting to see if there are products in uh, 2014, either open source or commercial, that really try to push Jenkins off of its perch.
3: I hope there will be some some newcomers this year for that kind of thing, some orchestration tools and some coordination tools. I I have high hopes that there will be something out there because it would be nice to see some competition in that space.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: But I, I, I hope. I hope, but I'm not expecting somebody to to de- <laughs>
2: Well, me, it's one of those things. Like, why don't we use Tinderbox anymore? Well, there are lots of reasons that you wouldn't use Tinderbox, but it's kind of like the world architecturally moved to a different thing, and so the the continuous integration and continuous delivery tool that you would design today, not not even from first principles use the knowledge that Jenkins and Tinderbox and BuildBot and all these other tools have collected, you would design it fundamentally differently today than Jenkins is is how many years old. And, And I'm not meaning to say Jenkins is a bad tool or anything like that. It's just that it is actually such an important tool, and so many people use it, that that's where you see when you're forced to Install a bunch of plugins to get it to do the thing you want to do, and you have to pay the maintenance costs on that side of keeping the plugins up to date and doing all that kind of stuff. That's where you see new market comers coming in that do that by default. That's what they're designed to do. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens this year. All right, last call for 2014 predictions.
1: It's the year I travel excessively.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you get to see the world. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good so yeah. far.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's it's fun until it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: All right, well, listeners, what are your predictions for 2014? Uh, what did we get totally wrong about our predictions for 2014? Go ahead and tweet us at Chip Show Podcast, and we will be back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back to The Ship Show. So for our last segment of 2013, we thought we would get into the holiday (laughs) spirit and do a little bit of what we did last year. uh, It was the night before 1.0. So this year we have the uh, 12 days of DevOps. So on the first day of DevOps, my manager gave to me continuous delivery. On the second
4: day
0: of DevOps, my manager gave to me two silo teams. And continuous delivery.
3: On the third day of DevOps, my manager gave to me three spot instances.
4: Two silo teams. And continuous delivery.
1: On the fourth day of DevOps, my manager gave to me four VMs converging.
4: Three spot instances. Two
2: silo teams. And continuous delivery. On the fifth day of DevOps, my manager gave to me
4: five, five rebase, rebase commits. commits. Five rebase
0: commit.
1: <laughs> four VMs converging.
4: Three spot instances. Two you solo said. teams.
2: And continuous <laughs> delivery. On the sixth day of DevOps, my manager gave to me six site outages.
4: Bye, 5
2: rebase
0: commits.
4: <laughs> Three <laughs> spot <laughs> instances. Two solo <laughs> teams. <laughs> and continuous delivery. On the seventh
0: day of DevOps, my manager gave to me seven postmortems. Six site outages.
1: Five rebase commits. commits.
0: Five rebase commits. <laughs> <laughs> bre- commits.
1: Four VMs converging.
4: Three spot instances. Two silo teams. And
2: continuous delivery.
4: On the eighth day of DevOps, my manager gave to me eight slaves of building. Seven postmortems. Six site outages. Five rebase commits.
1: Five commits. Four VMs converging.
4: Three spot instances. Two silo teams. And continuous delivery.
1: On the ninth day of DevOps, my manager gave to me nine cloud APIs.
4: Eight slaves of building. Seven postmortems. Six site outages. Five Five rebates rebates commits. commits. Five rebates (laughs)
1: commits. Four VMs converging.
4: (laughs) Three spot instances. Two solid
0: teams.
2: And continuous (laughs) delivery. On the tenth day of DevOps, my manager gave to me ten package repos. Nine cloud APIs. Eight slaves of building. Seven
4: postmortems. Six site outages, five Five rebase commits. Five rebase commits.
1: Four VMs converging.
4: Three spot instances. Two silo teams. And continuous delivery. On the 11th day of DevOps, my manager gave to me 11 open stack clusters. Ten package repos.
1: Nine cloud APIs. Eight
4: slaves of building. Seven postmortems. Six site outages. Five Rebase commits. Rebase commit. <laughs> Five Rebase commit.
1: <laughs> Four VMs converging.
4: Three spot instances. Two silo teams. And
2: a continuous delivery. <laughs>
4: On the twelfth day of demos, the manager gave to me twelve thousand Nagios alerts, eleven open stack clusters, ten package repos,
1: nine cloud APIs,
4: eight slaves of building, seven postmortems, six site outages,
1: five five, five commands, <laughs> four VMs converging,
4: three spot instances, two subtle teams, and continuous continuous
2: delivery. delivery. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, <laughs> uh, we will we will update our uh, list of upcoming conference foo. Uh, you can check the show notes for that. So from San Francisco, this is Paul Reed wishing you and yours uh, a happy holiday season with whatever holiday you celebrate. And signing off.
0: And from San Diego, we... this is Yusuf so wishing you a very happy holidays. Signing off. And from Austin, this is Seth wishing you a happy holidays.
1: And from Portland, Oregon, this is Sasha giving you one big humbug
2: <laughs> Signing we- off and we will see you all in 2014. Bye! Bye!
4: Bye.